Hello everyone, welcome to episode 42 of Manage the Wild. Today we're going to be talking about Bobcats, Bobcat management, and the different types of ways to monitor. Kind of found myself going down a rabbit hole on this one. It started off with understanding uh, latrine use by Bobcats. Um, latrines are where these Bobcats defecate, but it's also a way of, or a form of communication for them. So I started looking into um, ways to identify latrine sites and and going through that whole process and then after understanding and reading of this article talking about how difficult it is to identify latrine sites one of the factors of that they face when trying to identify bobcat latrine sites in studies is uh, other animals coyotes or whatever it is will often follow along and eat the feces of these of bobcats because they eat strictly meat or mainly meat and a lot of that is undigested or not completely digested and so the animals will follow along eating their feces and so it's very difficult to identify uh, latrine sites but these researchers did the best they could and they realized that these uh, latrine sites based within their home ranges were not random, meaning they had selected these sites for a very good reason. And the reason was um, due to their uh, communication. It's basically one of the ways that they communicate with other bobcats. And the way they use these latrine, uh, latrine sites is one of the ways that they can use them is to advertise their social status as well as their reproductive status. Um, it also can help them display their dominance. And I'm not sure how all the pheromones and everything plays in. But it's a way of communication. And researchers were excited about this study and looking into how it can help manage a population of bobcats and I, so what I did is I went down the rabbit hole of trying to understand how using latrine sites can help in population management. And I realized it was just all about data. There was another study done in Canada, British Columbia, in which they were trying to understand the distribution of bobcats and lynx and how they overlapped. And it couldn't take just one little bit of information to understand distribution. They had to go through a whole multitude of various ways to try to understand distribution. First, they took the trapping records, the harvest reports from those trappers. And then they have compulsory records where they are required, no matter what, whether it was incidental or not, to, um, they had to uh, record those with the wildlife agencies up in Canada. They also had vehicle kill records. They had trapper surveys, whether they saw something, whether they didn't, if they released. Because trapping records and hunter harvest and trapper surveys are not taking the same information because on trapping records, uh, if they release a bobcat or whatever, they uh, are not required to file or to notify wildlife agencies. So they took trapper surveys as well. And then the public had an opportunity if uh, they had camera traps, they could uh, give a GPS location of where the picture was taken. 
And so they had, let's see, five different surveys. And this was just another survey that they could add to help understand the distribution of bobcats. Bobcat management is very difficult in the fact that you have very little information to go on and very, very little understanding of their movement. You have a pretty, people think they have a pretty good idea, but as far as what the actual population is, they have no idea. They can use trapping and harvest records to get a good indication of what a population's doing, but there's a lot of factors that go into that. Some of the factors that are going into these surveys are the motivations behind what the trappers are doing and why they're doing it. Another study that I went to, um, they talked to 1,760 trappers in Alaska and they talked about the reasons why they trap. 17% of the trappers did it for wildlife management. 39% did it for recreation. 18% uh, did it for subsistence. And another 26% did it for solitude. And each, each um, reason or motivation behind trapping is going to give them a different reason for or how they report their data. Somebody who's doing it for wildlife management may be a little different in how they present their information versus somebody who's doing it for recreation. If you have a, a if you get a group of social scientists together uh, on mule deer and you go out and you ask them to report on the number or the number of bucks and the number of points on each buck and if you you're going to get different information for different individuals if you pull an outside group from outside of a, an area and bring them in and ask them you're going to get different reporting as well somebody who hunts that area maybe they don't want to report that they saw a couple of 200 inch or 180 inch class bucks and so they're going to say that they saw all two points or three points and just not report the older class not saying this happens but there is error that does happen in these surveys and so the error is a challenge when you're trying to manage a population. The state of Utah um, has been doing coyote management or coyote removals, and they've been using a bounty system. And they asked hunters to report. And hunters had the opportunity to go out and fill out their GPS of where they uh, killed these coyotes. And there was the couple of places that started showing up, and it was a very small town in northwestern Utah where they started showing up and they were predominantly hundreds of coyotes being killed in the middle of the city because people didn't want to give up their exact location thought that the state might be selling some of their information so this, uh, the state had to change it up and actually go to a mobile app on their phone that actually marks the GPS so they could better get get a better understanding of uh, where these coyotes are being taken the other challenge that social science brings is the fact that uh, the social scientists may not fully understand exactly what researchers are looking for, as well as researchers might not fully understand what they're looking for as well. It's not until you get the data back that you can start to break it down and look at it and say, okay, this is not what I expected at all. This is taking us a different direction.
I decided to hype, hop on uh, Idaho State's website and look at their management plan for fur bears. And when I was going through, um, what I found was their draft for their upcoming uh, bobcat policy or fur bear policy. They talked about uh, a big thing that they use is called CPUE, catch per unit effort. And they're looking for very specific things uh, when they take their surveys from hunters. The questions that they ask on these surveys are, are to help with their models. So if we go to Idaho and we look at the fur bear harvest report, it'll look at uh, the number of days trapped, the number of traps, uh, the average number of sets on a trap, uh, how many days did you harvest, how many days did you not harvest, how many days did you hunt, how many pelts were sold. And all these are to track and help them get an understanding of the population of bobcats for a given area. So all the reporting from 2004 to 2020 has been put online. And it looks like they are harvesting an average of around 450, uh, 450 bobcats per year. They have somewhere around 250 trappers. And the this will fluctuate, but they look like they have a relatively stable population. Now, again, it changes because if you have an increase in gas prices or you just have a really bad winter, all this is going to affect your population data. And so you're going to have to look at your overall trend line for a long time and collect data as much as possible and hold on to that data because it becomes useful the longer you go you can help see the direction that your population is taking and at the end of this it feels like it's been a long 10 minutes of a long-winded diatribe on bobcats are difficult to manage populations are hard to estimate information is important and it's going to take a lot of information every year to understand populations Hunters are important, and the fact that they give a lot of information to these scientists, to biologists, to managers, wildlife managers, in helping understand populations. I think without hunting and harvest, you wouldn't be able to get the same data from anywhere else. It would take a lot of man hours. It would take the same number of people collecting data, whether you're putting up camera traps or hair samples or just going out and talking to people it's difficult to obtain that information on a population without hunter harvest all right if you guys have any questions or anything let me know stay wild have a great day